Um, I'm gonna. Uh, last time I spoke uh, the other week, I spoke about praise. So this week, I want to talk about worship because um, I just think when uh, I was talking with Joe the other day um, in the gym. Uh, just about uh, the season we're in as a church, and and uh, I just think we're in a, in a great season to really explore what praise and worship looks like for us as individuals and us as corporately. Uh, Psalm 100, 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. You know, praise is what we uh, we declare about who God is. When I praise God, when I sing a praise song, I'm telling, I'm making the declaration of who he is, what he is in my life, uh, what I believe him to be, that he's a miracle worker, he's the one that provides for my family, he's the one that's never let me down, he's the one that's always there for me. So praise is my declaration of who he is, and then worship is when I invite his presence in. So I praise him and then I worship him. And I said last week we were together that the two go together and we kind of break through in praise. So praise is like our sacrifice. Because let me tell you, I've been a Christian uh, 40 years now. Uh, I know I don't look that old. Um, Okay. but sometimes I don't feel like praising God. That's the reality of it. You know, but I, I choose to praise God out of a sacrifice because he's worthy of it. I don't praise God because I necessarily because I feel like it. I praise God because I know I need to praise God. Does that make sense? Uh, because if I sometimes if I waited for me to feel like praising God, I probably wouldn't praise him God as much as I wanted to. But I, I know when I'm having a bad day or when things aren't going right, I just praise God. Because that tells the devil who's who I'm following. Uh, that tells my soul and my spirit where it needs to align to. And it realigns my mind and my spirit and my soul back to God. And then I stand in his presence and worship him. You know, the presence of God was one through us through what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, up until then, um, if you lived uh, pre uh, in in the Old Testament, the old before Jesus came to enter into the presence of God, only a chosen few could do it, and they'd have to go through all these rituals and ceremonies. But then Jesus came and died on the cross for everybody. He, he, took, he took our place because we're not perfect people and he made the ultimate sacrifice. So if we believe in Jesus and, and we confess Jesus to be the one that's in control of our lives, that gives us the ability to, when we worship him, step into his presence. And what I mean by his presence is he's the guy that makes the world go around. He's the guy that makes the wind blow. He's the creator of the universe. And I, and, and I, I get to stand in his presence in a perfect place. Um, and my worship is is what I do when I step into that place, when I when I praise God and I've trusted him and then I step into his presence and I worship him. Worship can never be about an environment. Uh, you know, for, uh, for me, I, I've, I've been a Christian. I've been uh, mum and dad, all, you know, well, I didn't go to church. I went to Sunday school first, but when they were, when I was about eight or nine, we all started going to church as a family. And... Um, uh, I, I've seen the transition uh, over my short life in how churches changed. I remember uh, in the little Baptist church I went to in the little village when um, we bought in a drum kit. Yeah, it was, uh, for those of you who haven't been on the church journey, you, this is how weird Christians can be. Um, it was like there was this massive debate on whether drums were from God or from the devil. I just thought they were cool and you could smash them. And uh, I remember we had this little drum kit. It had a little kick, a snare, and a cymbal. 
Uh, but that was radical. That was radical. And then, and then someone played acoustic guitar, and, and you know what I mean this whole kind of. But um, uh, we went from really, really simple worship, praise and worship, where I remember for Christmas my sister asked for a tambourine with ribbons on. I'm so glad we moved on from that season. Actually, no, uh, Margaret apparently is very good on the tambourine, I've heard. Yeah, it's very good, like phenomenally good. So I think we're allowing Margaret to come. So if you want to play tambourine, please see Margaret and she'll do a master class. But 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 we've evolved and 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 we've gone on this journey. But and and then when we come to where we are now, in modern church, we can see things like Hillsong, Planet Shakers, and Equippers. And it's gone from a little guy with an acoustic guitar or a girl with an acoustic guitar and a drum set to LED screens and and haze and moving lights and all that kind of stuff, which is which is all fine. But I think sometimes on our journey, especially for our younger generation, we're teaching them that they can only worship God when the LED screen's there. Only worship God when, when all the dancers move in time. When all, and, and that's great, and it breaks down barriers, and it allows a younger generation. But we've got to teach our younger generations that I can worship God regardless of the environment. So if I'm sat in a barn on a hay bale, with Bill on his harmonica and someone banging on a saucepan, that can still be worship. Because worship is never about the environment, it's always about your heart. It's all about where I'm placing my heart and what I do. And, and yes, we try and eliminate the distractions in church so we don't fall away from that. But sometimes church gets distracting. Especially when we're on a journey of rebuilding like we are and some of the things. It can be distracting. But I, I think we, we have a choice in, in this season to say, um, am I ever going to be distracted or I'm going to learn to worship God regardless? Regardless. If they all give up singing and, and doing anything on the stage, we carry on worshiping. Because they're only helping us worship. But if we are to be mature in our faith, we worship regardless of what's on the stage. That's not a criticism of them, but how much better would it be for them on the stage to know that we are going to worship? Do you know what I mean? Because so we put so much pressure on our guys on stage when they're no different to what we are. They're just bringing their talents. But we need to worship anyway and get behind their talents. And I guarantee you it will go to another level. Amen. That's God ringing in. Tell him I'm busy. I'm preaching. I was preaching in, in Pembroke, right? And I said to Zach, because he stayed at home to play a cup game, I said, ring me when the game finishes and let me know the results. Half past 11. Halfway through, you know, the most crucial part of my seeing my phone rings. I thought I'd better answer it because he might have broken a leg. Oh, just tell me what the score was, Dad. I was like, do you not know what I do on a Sunday morning? Oh, yeah, sorry. I'll ring in a minute. If we can worship with all the trimmings of modern church, how much more can we go to the level if we get that stuff? I, I'm quite passionate about this, of just going back, and, and, and I'm, I'm probably certain circles that I mix and will get absolutely slammed for this, but I don't know, there's that song, um, I'm going back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. Is it Matt Redmond? I, it's an older song, but the lyrics are perfect. It's all about you. I'm going, so let's, you know, maybe God is calling us into a simpler season where he's saying, I'm going to take away the trimmings and then you can truly worship me. 
You know, we uh, we talk about spiritual maturity, and uh, I was just with someone the other day, and they were talking about spiritual maturity, and it was all kind of weird, really. And um, we often say, oh, spiritually mature people are like the ones that can do these great, long, fancy prayers that go on for like three hours, and uh, they can get all these stuff in. But I, I, think, I think maturity, uh, if you want to see someone who's mature, just see how they worship. You know, just sit around them. Because there's a simplicity to how they worship. They, they don't, they don't need big long words. They don't need big. They just, there's just a heart of worship on them. You know, and and uh, I think worship's not about what any of you think. It doesn't really matter what the person next to me thinks about how I worship God. It's about how I worship God. You know what I mean? It's about my heart connecting with God, not whether you agree or disagree. I, I, I hate singing. It's not really something that's naturally ever been any good for me. Chris did jump me the other week and gave me a, a, a music lesson. He, he duped me into the, into the music room and then just threw some music on the thing and we sang. But that was a massive thing for me to sing publicly. And I thanked Chris for the challenge and it was good. We're not doing it again. No, we are. We are. We are going to sing. But... But I, for so long, I, I would not worship God because I'd be worried about what people would think of me next to me. And God says, I'm not worried about what they think. I'm worried about what your heart is saying. Is that the rain? Wow. You know, so, so don't worry about what other people are doing around you. Just worry about what your heart and what you want to say to God. My dad is a very simple working class man, but... Uh, I've seen some moments in my life where he's just simply worshipped God and he's just stood there and there's been tears in his eyes and he's just sang a traditional song. But that's his worship. And then I've been, my daughter Amber, she's a great singer, she'll worship, she'll bow it out. Everybody in the row can hear. And we're just lucky that she can sing. And I've been to the people in the row and they bow it out and they can't sing. <laughs> so we all move along. But it doesn't matter as long as you are worshipping what's in your heart. Amen? You know, we all have a gift of worship. I love the Christmas story. You know, uh, I forgot to say. Now, one thing about the Christmas story is, so if I was the wise men, uh, we, we know uh, that the story, the nativity story that we show, has got a few kind of artistic licenses in it, really. The shepherds and the wise men didn't turn up at the same time. I'm sorry, they didn't. There was quite a gap between them. But these wise men traveled for probably at least a year from Persia to go and worship uh, a messiah, a king. So they travel for, for, for days and days and, and weeks on their camels and they get there. I love the fact that they didn't define their worship by what they arrived, you know, because they've traveled for days on a camel and they get there and they're like the stars stopped above a stable. They walk into a stable and there's donkeys and cows and Jesus in a manger. I'd be like, hang on a minute. We must have got it wrong somewhere along the line. Because if this is the savior of mankind, he's probably in the palace that we went past a couple of days ago. And we must have the wrong place. But they knew who they were worshipping. They didn't look at the environment and allow the environment to define their worship. They knew and they asked God to show them they saw the king of kings, the Lord of lords in a manger. And they worshipped him. And they bought what they had. They bought myrrh, frankincense, and we know they all, all symbolize something. But they bought something that was precious to them, something that cost them something, and they gave it at the feet of Jesus in worship. 
I love the fact as well that worship isn't divine by your class because at the same time, uh, before the wise men, if I get it right, some shepherds were on the top of a hill in the middle of the night and these angels turn up and tell them to go and find Jesus and they go and worship Jesus. And they bring what they had, which was some lambs. And there's some symbolism in that. But there was no, your gift is better than my gift. Uh, there was no, this isn't the right environment, therefore they just knew who they were going to worship and they worshipped. Amen? I think, you know, we've all got something to bring, whatever it might be, but we must bring it in worship. True worship is found in the valleys. Psalm 23 says, I, The Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my sides, my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will feel no evil. For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I, I love this. We all kind of know this piece of this psalm. It's something that's written on tea towels and plates and all that over. But I, I love what's, what's being described here. It doesn't matter what valley you're in. When you worship God, it takes you to sit at the table of his presence. Bill Johnson says, you can't fully understand God unless you've been through a valley and worshipped him. You know, we... we uh, uh, Christianity has been sold so much on become a Christian, your life gets better. Well, it does get better. But it doesn't mean stuff doesn't happen in your life. It doesn't mean dark times doesn't happen. It doesn't mean that wrong things happen. It doesn't mean that sometimes life is incredibly hard. But in the psalm, we realize that if I'm in a dark, deep place where I don't understand what's going on in this world, if I just praise and worship him, I stand in his place and he, he, he puts a table and I get to sit down with him. You know, I, I thank God now for the valley seasons in my life because I understand But every valley that I've gone through, I've had a big, bigger revelation of who God is. Uh, because those moments when I've woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning not knowing what I'm doing with my life, completely stressed out, completely worried, and I've stood in my kitchen and just worshipped him, I've understand that my God is faithful. He's always there, and he will turn every situation around for his good. But the only way I've realized that is by the fact that I've taken time to worship him. You know, often people say, I just don't feel like worshipping him today. You're being robbed of something. Because if today you don't feel like worshipping, today's the day you need to start worshipping him. Today's the day you need to start writing some things down about what you want to know about God, what you want to find out about and what you believe he to be. Because my worship makes my soul enter into his presence. If you're in a valley, like we've been talking about this morning, uh, just take a moment this week, this time, to just find a quiet time and just say, God, I, I, I just want to know who you are. I want to know something new, something fresh about you. Reveal something to me in this situation. I, I've learned so much on my pastoral journey that God's timing is always perfect. 
but completely frustrating. Uh, that he never lets me down, but he takes me right to the end. Uh, that even though I feel depressed, overwhelmed, full of anxiety, if I can just get into his presence, I can find peace. There's a great song, we've sang it quite a bit in church, uh, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. That, that's been one of my middle-of-the-night songs, just to sing that and say, God, I just want to be in your presence and I invite your Holy Spirit in. We can worship anywhere. In the Bible, we see this story where Jesus is walking through Samaria and he goes to a well and he finds a woman that is caught in sin and he meets her and they start to have this conversation about who he is and, and he starts to explain the gospel and, and, and talk to her about that he, is, he, he brings living water and that, that um, he is the Messiah. And he goes on, he says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So she sees, he's saying to her, because she makes this comment about the, that you Jews go and worship in the temple. You, you go to this place. And he's saying, yes, that's true right now. But there's a time coming where we can worship God wherever we are. And I think uh, we, we carry that kind of mentality over to my worship happens on a Sunday morning when we get together as a church. I, I probably do more worshiping when I'm not in church, to be honest. Because I've built a life of worship. Because um, I can't wait until Sunday morning to worship him. This is the worship where we come together as a community and we corporately worship God. But I worship God every day. I worship God. I drop the kids off at school. and I usually put some praise music on my iPhone. And I have 15 minutes of worship as I'm stuck in the traffic coming back here. I have songs. You know, what was that song that we sang the other day? There was a, a new song we did, but it just got stuck in my head. Annoying. Do you hate that? But it made me worship all week because I just couldn't get the song out of my head. So I just worshipped every day. I don't wait until I come to church to worship. I worship every day of my life. Uh, I worship corporately with you, and there's a certain anointing upon that, but there's also anointing when I worship on my own. If you just worship it on a Sunday, you're, you're kind of missing out on what Christianity is about. And Christianity is about a life of faith, of praise and worship and living life with him. Not about attending a church on a Sunday. Uh, maybe you need to find some habits in your life. Not walking in the rain unless you want to. But uh, what's the routines? What, what, what routine have you got? And you're like, I, I, like, I walk my dog. If I walk my dog on my own, I, I, I'm normally sing songs. I sing praise songs. Or I kind of make them up. I should write them down. Uh, I love it when I go surfing. Surfing for me, out back, no one's around. I'm sat on my surfboard, bobbing up and down. That's why I don't like taking people surfing, because they want to talk to me. Um, it's my time, me and God. We just sit down, we talk, and I, I look at creation, and I thank him for it, and I tell him about the stuff that's going on, and I sing, and I praise, and I worship him, and I share my life with him. I know that's a space. I know that if I don't do that, my life, my anxiety levels and my worries go up. And, and um, I was with a friend this week on Tuesday, and he said, Mike, you look tired. I said, yeah, I am. It's just been a bit of a crazy couple of weeks, you know, a couple of months. And he's like, yeah. He said, so I... Uh, are you surfing? I said, I'm surf for weeks. He said, well, you need to go surfing. I was like, yes. He said, because I know that when you go surfing, you'll spend time with God and you'll sit and you'll worship and praise him. So go surfing. What routines? Is it golf? Is it whatever it is? What routines have you got in your life which you say, God, I'm just setting time aside to be with you? 
Worship should mo motivate us to make a difference. James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So that word religion, if you translate it, actually means uh, worshipful routines, acts. That's what it means. It's been uh, translated into religion. But really the Greek word is it kind of one of the words that is more than just that. It's, it's an act of worship. And, I, and I, 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 th I, really got, I really have this as a burden on my heart that I worship individually, walking the dog, surfing. I worship corporately, where we come together on a Sunday and we all get and we sing songs. But what demonstration of worship does this group of people show to this community? Because my Bible tells me that true worship is when I look after the homeless, look after the poor, look after the widows, look after the broken heart. That is true worship. And I'm, I've, I've been challenged and, and I've always struggled to get the balance of Yes, I want to spend stuff to make this place look cool, but I was talking to Phil Gibson in the week. Like, we could go and buy an LED street LED screen because I would love one because it'd just be cool, or we could buy three transit vans that we could use to help move people around that need help, or that we could put food in and go and feed our community, or we could fill up with coats and take into Newport to give the homeless people, or we could get a use our minibus to go around. You know, like tomorrow at one o'clock, it's well, eleven o'clock. It's time for tea. Time for tea is when the retired people of our community come to this church and we feed them. We have afternoon tea and they have a right giggle and a right laugh, and that we that is worship. That's true worship as a community saying we are worshiping God by showing his love to our community and providing a space. You know, I, I want us to, to have great Sundays and great services and all of that, but if that means that we don't reach our community, we're not really worshiping God. If all our money is plowed into production and those kind of things, I think we've messed the heart of God. I I uh, I wrestle with this, and uh, I I feel that maybe this is something that Faith Church is being called into it for 2020. Is that maybe our our shift may be slightly different? Maybe yeah, we'll have great services, but maybe we'll have even better outreach. And maybe we'll have great services, but maybe as individuals, we'll do all we can to worship God by impacting our friends and our families. Maybe we make our Sunday night services more of a place where you can just walk in off the streets and find love and support and, and fellowship and someone that's going to listen to you and then walk through the rest of the week with you. I don't know. But I know that that's true worship. Chris, do you want to come up and play? Wales was a nation praised for its singing, its church singing. That's why we sing Bread of Heaven at the Rugby. We sing Bread of Heaven at the Rugby because uh, if you went back 80 years, that's 60, uh, 80, 100 years ago, that's all they need to sing. Uh, and I think the one thing that the devil doesn't like is when, he, when a nation has a talent and they use it for God. 
So our nation has a talent. If you're not Welsh, like myself, you're adopted into this nation. But this land is known for our praise and our worship. It's known for our singing. So the devil's going to do anything he's going to to stop us singing. You know, and I think we need to rise up and in a simple way, but in a pure way, start to worship him again. I loved it the other week when Chris sang that song after uh, Remembrance Sunday, just our old traditional hymn. Uh, There's nothing modern, nothing flash about it, but it resonated something of the heart of God, and uh, and we we had a moment in worship for him. And it, it wasn't about performance or lights, it was about a group of people just stepping into his presence. You know, Christmas is about us remembering that Jesus came to earth as a simple baby. Just simple. Into a stable with no flashing lights, no maternity care, no nothing. Just humble. And, and, and that's how God is in our lives. He's gentle. But those shepherds and those kings and those that came weren't defined by the environment. They just worshipped him because they saw that he was the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Maybe this morning we just need to step away from some of the distractions that are around us and say, I'm just going to worship you, God, because I know you believe in me. I know you love me. I know you're for me. And I know all the stuff that's going on in my life right now, you've got it covered. And I don't really know how that's going to work out, but in my worship, I will trust you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing a worship song, can we? If we can all just close our eyes, just give each other a little bit of space of privacy. I don't know where we all are on our journey with God, but I just really feel that God is... So for me, I was four, and I was going to Sunday school regularly every day, every every Sunday, and uh, I I remember it quite clearly because I remember... Uh, Carol Miller, my Sunday school teacher, she said, who wants to be a Christian here? And my mama talked to me about it at home, but I didn't think it was official unless the Sunday school teacher prayed with you. So anyway, but I just remember that moment where I closed my eyes and we sat at the back of the church, back of the the wooden hut where we did Sunday school. And she said, "Um, do you believe God to be your Lord and Savior? Like, do do you want God to be in charge of your life? Do you really want to get to know this person called Jesus? And I was like, yeah, I do. And I, I, want, to, I want to work this out over the, over the course of my life. And I have done. And, but I just remember that was a defining moment. So I didn't, drift in, I didn't drift into Christianity. I got to know who God was. I got to know who Jesus was. I got to be around Christians. And then I made a decision, right, okay, this is who I am. And I know I was four and I was young, but it sticks in my head that it doesn't matter what's going on. I've got no. I made a decision. I said, I, "I said I'm following you. I'm worshiping you. I'm praising you." So, devil, throw what you want at me, but I've made a decision. I'm not going back on my decision because I'm a man of my word, and you're a god of your word. And I just really feel right now that God wants to say, 
You know, you might have been coming to this church for a year or years or weeks or whatever, but you've never had that moment where you've said, no, right, Lord, I just want to acknowledge right now in this moment that you are my, you are in charge, that you have a plan and you have a purpose. And I want to do everything I can to follow that. And that's not about knowing all the details. That's about deciding you're going to turn and walk towards Jesus. And, you know, and everybody's eyes closed. The only one that's looking is myself. And the only reason I'm looking is because I'd like to pray with you. Like my Sunday school teacher pray with me. But if that's you and you're here this morning and you're like, okay. Yeah, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to find out who you are. I don't really understand anything about you. But right now in this moment, I want to say, I'm here, God. I want to discover you. I just, just pop your hand up quickly. Because I would love to pray with you. Amen. 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 Put your hands down. That's just between me and you. And We're going to pray as a family. And then um, we'll catch up with you guys after. But this is what I said. And we'll say it as a, as a family. We'll all say it. I just said, uh, and if you repeat what I say, we can all join in. I said, Jesus, today I acknowledge that I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you. I want to find out everything that you are. I want to put you in charge of every one of my decisions. And Jesus, I just acknowledge this morning that I'm trusting in you and your ways. And I thank you. That's, you know, that's just a simple thing it is to be a Christian is to say, Jesus, you're in charge. So, so I pray for these guys and these girls that have put their hands up. I pray right now that this would be the start of the most craziest journey they've ever been on. One where they truly are never alone. Where it doesn't matter what situation is going on in the world. When they turn their face to you, you will flood in. Lord, I pray where there's stuff going on right now, supernaturally by the power of your peace and your presence, you'd fall into those situations. I pray for great men and women to come around them and to walk out this thing called Christianity with them. Lord, I pray when you challenge things in their lives that you want to change, I pray that they would have open hearts to change. That they would understand that your plan is perfect. Sometimes it's challenging, but it's perfect. And Lord, I pray for us as a community here this morning that we would be a community that's known for our praise and worship and not our performance. That we'll be a group of people that hunger after your presence. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to flood into this place even more and even more. We thank you for our worship team. We thank you for all that they serve us and the way that they lead us from the front. I pray you continue to anoint them as a team. Strengthen them, add people to them. But look, we thank you for this moment. We thank you that you knew our church was going to be here. It's no surprise for you. And Lord, we boldly and courageously look into next year. Help us to worship personally, corporately, and help us to show our worship to our community by feeding the poor, loving the homeless, being there for the brokenhearted. So we just pray you'd anoint us afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've popped your hand up, I've seen who you are. And um, after the service, me or one of the team will come up. We'd love to pray with you and just talk to you about what you've done and and be with you and, and all of you throughout the week. Amen. Let's sing.